when I came back, when I say I broke my life, well, after football, the NFL was gone. I lost that part of me. I thought the fruit of me was dead. I hated everything else about life. It sucked. My gym business failed. My marriage failed. I was a bad parent. I was out of shape. I was broke. I was looking at bankruptcy nine months into the business. And it made sense to me later on. And here's the perspective. When the apple, the fruit fell off of football, I thought I was the apple, but I was never the apple. All of us have always been the tree. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. All right, guys, welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. It is my pleasure, it is my honor to have the man, the myth, and the living legend, Anthony Trucks on the, uh, the podcast with me today. Anthony, you want to say what's up to everyone? What's up, everybody? How you doing? Wherever you're at in the world, coming to you from uh, from the San Francisco Bay Area, man. Just uh, hoping to have some fun with my man Ryan hanging out. I tell you what, uh, I met Anthony. I don't know. It's been a couple. It's been a couple months ago now through a mutual friend of ours. But uh, the more I've got to know you, Anthony, the more I've really grown to admire and respect what you do for people, and ultimately the journey that you've been on. And and really, you know, I think your message, your your um, really what you do with people is a reflection of the life and the path that you've walked. And so today, people know you, yes, as a former NFL player, a powerful speaker, an amazing podcaster, an author, a husband, a father of three amazing kids. But Anthony, that's not where it started for you, right? Um, you've got a saying that you are one shift away from unleashing unlimited success that awaits. Yeah. And I love that, that phrase because it, it symbolizes that you have success awaiting you and you are, something's holding you back. So where did, if we, if we took a walk down memory lane for you, where did this idea of having an identity shift to create the outcome mm-hmm. that you're looking for, where did this start to take fruition? Oh man, the idea. <laughs> it's funny how the world works, right? The world works in a way where uh, you live your life and then later on you're like, oh, that's what that was. You know? So for me, uh, the realization, the awakening moment was, man, it was probably around 20, man, 2016, 15, 16 was when it actually started making sense. I started down this path in this realm of this personal development around 2014 and I didn't quite know what I was doing at the time. I, I was kind of trying to share my life story in a way that would help people, but I really didn't quite exactly know what I was doing, to be totally honest. And it wasn't until I had like a group of guys kind of sit me down in a, a really weird environment and like show me what it was. I was like, oh, damn, that's what that's been my entire life. And so, man, it was probably the last like four years. However, it's stuff I'd been doing the last three decades. Yeah, and I love that about you because I think a lot of your success, once it was made, once you were made aware of it, it was probably a, you know, somewhat easy for you to fall into it because you had built this identity, you had built this framework for living your life from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, if I remember your story right, I mean, you had the odds stacked against you from the beginning. I mean, you you're you were you grew up adopted, right? And you were adopted at fourteen, correct? Yeah, adopted at fourteen, given away at three, so about eleven years in the foster care system. Man, and the stats on that, the stats on being in the foster system are not, you know, they're not in your Dude. team. Yeah, they're, uh, if you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. 
half of our homeless population have spent time in foster care because most kids age out and then their families literally just drops them on the doorstep and says, leave us alone. It's a really heinous thing that happens. And then on top of that, less than 1% of uh, actual foster kids will ever graduate from college like I did. Yeah. So statistically, we are, I mean, literally from the moment that we enter the system, it's like this mark put on us. It's just like an anchor that drags to the bottom of the ocean, unfortunately. And I tell you what, I grew up, my, my mom, she is, uh, well, she's retired now, but she was a therapist of primarily women and abused children, many of them in and out of foster care. And uh, I saw that firsthand by working at this very, very small clinic. It was, the, it was a support center for people that were in transition. Um, and, and you're right, you had the odds stacked against you. But you, you know, at 14, you were adopted. You've never been afraid of work. Was that something that was naturally ingrained in you or did that resiliency just get bred into you? <laughs> no, it was. It was just, it was survival, dude. Yeah. I mean, when you're so growing up in that, that same realm from three till, you know, six, I got a whole bunch of craziness happened. And then I stopped trusting people. You just did. By six years old, I stopped trusting my own mom, humanity. Like I was just, a, I was a tough, hard off little kid. Like, that was a bad little kid, to be totally honest. Uh, <laughs> and that's the real thing. Like, well, I, no one's going to give me these things I want. Like, no one's going to give me money. I can't buy the new, you know, roller skates my classmates have. I can't have the bike that I see the kid riding. Unless I figure a way to get the dang thing myself. I was like, well, how do I do that? Well, let me find a way to make money. So you watch little shows and like kids are out mowing lawns. Like, I'll go do that. So I would mow lawns. I would do yard work. I would wash cars. I would just do things that would allow me to make some money. And I think what it was, after a while, you fall in love with either the process of it or the pride that comes with being able to look and see what you created, which I think so many people, even adults miss out on, is that that true pride of like, man, I created this income and I, I was able to get this for myself. Nobody else really was there. I mean, my mom let me you know, go out and I had to borrow it like a lawnmower kind of thing. So there was some help somewhere. But dude, the, the work ethic came to be when I had the pride around things I did. Man, and, Anthony, uh, I, it. I love that. Because guys, wherever you are listening to this podcast, Anthony, you said some gold nuggets in there. I mean, no one is coming to save you. Like no one owes you anything. Life does not owe you anything. If you want something, right? If you want something, you have to go out and earn it, work for it. And I think a yeah. lot of that has been lost on the general population today. I mean, people are expecting and wanting and feeling in somewhat, in some cases, entitled to yeah. handouts, entitled to a life, entitled to, you know, results. But let's, let's just say someone came and gave you all of those things. Anthony, you hit the nail right on the head. You don't respect it. You don't honor it because oh. you didn't earn it. Yeah, you lose it, man. I, I grew up, a cousin I grew up with and his mom, whenever I would like, I was a little bit older, I would take all my time, paper out of paper at one time, all that same stuff, man, for like three years, didn't miss a day. And I would like, I'd get some rollerblades. His parents would buy him better rollerblades. I'd get a cool bike, better bike. I got a car, better car. And as we got older, he didn't quite understand how money worked. He didn't understand how to appreciate it. I'm telling you, he's still in a struggle of like trying to figure out how to take care of money. And in my set, I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm settled because I understand the value of a dollar. It's old school, but it actually still applies. Oh man, and that's the great thing about principles. Like principles never really go out of style, right? If you can understand the value of a dollar, what that represents. I mean, really, you had to become someone different. You had to have a work ethic. You had to work really hard to get that dollar. You mm -hmm. honor and respect it because of what it took to earn it. Yeah. Right? So I love that. I love that. Now you you found yourself in a position where you wanted more out of your life, and you you know rather than having a chip on your shoulder, you put that chip to work for you, and you became like highly involved in high school and then later on collegiate athletics. How did yeah. that transition come about about for you? Uh, man, it came about the hard way because it always is, right? When I first played sports, I wasn't able to play till I was 14. So most people here like NFL, like, oh, he must have played when he was like seven, like all the other kids do. Nope. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to play till I was 14 and I sucked, man. Like <laughs> I was horrible. 
I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go out there because I mean, all my teammates have been playing for so long, you know. So I'm out there trying to run around. They're beating me up, and I'm getting hit. It hurts, literally, <laughs> it hurts. And two years of that, dude, two years of being horrible at this thing, I really wanted to be great at because I was good at recess. Put a helmet on. It was all different game. And I did what most people unfortunately don't do. I made a decision after hearing this conversation that I was going to put the work in to be great before I knew I'd be great. Mm. It was a weird kind of commitment. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes, even though I don't know if it's going to pan out. And it was that, that kind of leaning into something that was the first moment. In hindsight, it was the first time I made the most like, powerful shift of my life in terms of who I actually saw myself to be and how I operated every day. And dude, that, that honestly is like the pivoting trajectory to who I am to this day. Like if I go back to the root of it, it was that moment. And I love that you've traced it all the way back to that. And you, you said something. I want to pull out some of these gold nuggets that you're saying. You made a decision. Like at first you were interested, right? You saw the possibility yeah. of if you played collegiate athletics, you know, you were interested in it, but you showed up and because of your lack of practice, your lack of involvement, you weren't as good as the other kids. Now yeah. that at that point, you were kind of at this transition, that crossroads, right? You could have taken that interest and said, Hey, it's not for me, right? I, I thought yeah. I might be, I like it, but it's not for me. I'm going to go figure something else out. And maybe yeah. you were interested in something else after that, but you made a decision to move from, hey, I'm interested to now I'm committed. And yeah. that one decision, I, I find when people are willing to decide and to commit to something, it starts to alleviate the anxieties. It starts to alleviate the fear. It starts to alleviate the what ifs because now you're just showing up and you know that it's going to be difficult, but you're committed to being there and going through the trials to become... Yeah to get the outcome that you're looking for. Yeah, and I think that's the problem is a lot of people, they're, they're so, you know what it honestly is, it's an emotional thing. People, in the world we live now with so many people, their identity is what is shown on the internet and shown to the different screens. But I think the biggest fear people have is like if they try something and they don't do well, it's like a fear of failure or judgment, which is a typical thing, it's normal. And, and what we end up doing is like the pain of that, the pain of the thought of that is so heavy and so big to us that we will find any way to avoid that pain, even if it means avoiding the dream. And it's scary. Man, so for few, it's just tough. So when I talk to people, a lot of it boils down to like, hey, man, which bigger, the dream or the, or the excuse? Oof, 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 guys. Okay, as you're listening to this podcast, stop right there, write that down. What is bigger, the dream or the excuse? And Anthony, let, let's, let's spend just a little bit of time on that. Let's say that they're coming to the table, someone's coming to the table and their, their excuse is bigger than the dream. How do you switch that teeter-totter and build a bigger dream than your excuses? First, you got to get them to see themselves, man. That self-awareness, uh, that sight issue. Because so many, my wife and I were just talking about this in the car. There are people in our lives that we wish we could just shake and wake them up, but they cannot yet see themselves as the rest of the world at a higher level sees them. It's not a better issue. It's not like someone's better than you. But there's a certain level where people just, it's like watching a dog try to run against this leash. Like I can see the leash, but the dog can't. It just knows getting yanked back, you know? And so the idea for people is like, man, the first thing is you got to see and eyes that are going to, it's going to cause pain. Just so I know and people know this, when you first, for the first time, are made aware of the issue or made aware of what sucks, it's a heart hit. It's like, man, I never realized I was a bad dad or a bad husband or I wasn't very good at communicating with my team or I was just a narcissist. Like it's when, when you first realize it, it sucks. And then here's a moment that there's one of two things people do in these moments, man. It'll make or break your success. Option one is I accept it. Yes, oh, damn it, it sucks. Now what do I do? And it lowers me down and I got to climb back up. Option two is the road more traveled, unfortunately. What people do is say, you're tripping and they demonize you and they make you feel bad and they chop it all down so they can keep their, their level by chopping what you just said way down to size. 
and they stay stuck in the exact same place and live the same life. And a lot of people sometimes know what's going on and the psychopath just keeps on doing it because they don't want to lose face. They don't want to have that pain. And so, man, I tell people like, first off, you got to see where you're truly at and second, accept that that's where you're at. Now you can actually get to work. Man, I, that, that is so amazing because I think you're right. Um, in, in the social media world that we live in, it's easy to project your life through images and pictures. You look at other people and you see a perfect life and you wonder why your life's not perfect. But I think yeah. what you just said is the fundamental truth of every single thing. Like if you're willing to get present in the moment that you're in right now and acknowledge the facts, acknowledge the truth, see it and accept it. Because if you don't accept the facts and the truth for what it is, it doesn't change the facts or the truth. It just changes no. your ability to see them and operate no. in reality versus a dream world, right? And I think that's what the problem is with so many people is they they won't accept accept the truth. They won't accept the facts of their life and they end up operating in a position where they're powerless. If you're not working within reality, you can never make a change or, or a shift. No, you know what it ends up being? Oddly enough, it's a... Uh... It's kind of a thing where people will end up climbing. My, my pastor years ago said a statement. I was like, I love the statement. I actually now talk about it a lot. But he says, for a lot of people, they're content doing the work and they'll climb a ladder of life. They'll keep climbing, climbing, huffing and puffing, huffing and puffing. And what happens if they didn't see before they started the climb, they'll get to the top of the ladder, look around and realize the ladder's leaned against the wrong building. Yeah. I did the wrong work. I'm, I'm dead tired. I'm broken inside and I'm still broken. Well, because you didn't see the work you were supposed to do. You can't go and this is where identity becomes big because people want to go and have success somebody had, but that's a different human. That's a different identity. And if you don't understand what that person had to do for their success, doing their stuff doesn't get you their success. Some of it might, but you maybe that person's a phenomenal dad. So they don't have the same stressors as how they have to deal with their wife who's always complaining, the kids who aren't there. There's different dynamics of what they had to do. And if you just only adopt what you see and not the things you must do, you'll end up climbing a ladder or leaning against the wrong building. Man, I love that. And so I, I want to go a little bit back down how you fully came aware of this, because I think this is so relevant to, to people. I mean, I think we look at, hey, I'm willing to go through one trial, one, one hardship to get the yeah. thing out that I want. But, you know, you, you went through the, the identity shift of going to work, becoming a better football player. You got a full ride scholarship. You made the dream. Again, you, you defied the odds and made the dream and made it into the NFL. Was your life on cruise control after that? Oh, man, I wish it was. It got worse. <laughs> How does it get worse after you go to the NFL? Man, because everything's, honestly, unfortunately, it seems like everything goes downhill. I think there's this perspective of people that they think like, oh, NFL, man, mate, everything's done. Um, you know, the life is going to be on the high. And unfortunately, a lot of the guys in the NFL think that too. Or yeah. like, hey, it's going to be golden. And then you get out and you realize, man, I'm not prepared for this. I, I've never had a regular job. I don't have any skills. I've had no internships. I can't get paid to tackle people. I go to jail for that now, right? So <laughs> it's a whole different dynamic. And, and in coming out of that, I had this massive identity crisis. Anytime anybody in life has worked incredibly hard for something and it ends or it's taken from them, there's a really interesting dynamic. It's a cool, I have a metaphor around this. So like whether you have lost a job or you've lost, um, you know, maybe lost some money in a bad investment, maybe you lost a relationship that went wrong. You sent a kid off to college and now you have nobody to be a parent to right now. These are the fruits of our labor. These are the fruits. Like literally, picture yourself as an apple on a tree. And when you lose those, like the fruit of you, you fall off that tree. And like any kind of other apple, you know, it falls in the ground. It's not dead just yet, right? You can pick it up. The farmer picks it up, takes it, you know, down to the store. It can be in the store for a while, go to your house, sit there. But after a while, man, that fruit, it starts to get rotten and it dies. And we feel that inside. We feel the fruit of that thing just die. 
And we just tuck away and then we end up living our life in a funky place for a longer period of time than necessary. And it took me a lot of years. When I came back, when I say I broke my life, well, after football, the NFL was gone. I lost that part of me. I thought the fruit of me was, was dead. I hated everything else about life. It sucked. My gym business failed. My marriage failed. I was a bad parent. I was out of shape. I was broke. I was looking at bankruptcy nine months into the business. And it made sense to me later on. And here's a perspective. When the apple, the fruit fell off of football, I thought I was the apple, but I was never the apple. All of us have always been the tree. Mm. Always. And what ended up happening was when I focused on that apple, I stopped tending to the roots and the prune of the branches and taking care of the water to the tree. And so every other fruit died. Wasn't, it wasn't an accident. So for me, when I look at that time frame and when I teach people, a lot of the time is like, you've got to realize that this, this, this apple isn't your identity. The tree is. And that tree produces amazing fruit. And so life did get horrible after football. But then when I went back after some crazy points of life and weird stuff, man, just life happening, I started taking care of the tree again. And the more I did that, man, I produced better and more abundant fruit than I ever could have in football. Well, I, I love that too, man. That is such a beautiful analogy because what that symbolizes is you can have multiple fruits, right? You can have multiple seasons of your life and those fruits, those represent the true identity of the roots, the tree, who you ultimately are. But that can manifest itself in your relationship, in your professional career. If the professional career ends or is taken away from you, right? You produce a different fruit. You become someone different or capable to make it, make it happen again. And I think that's really the story of what really the story of humanity is inside of us, we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. Is our dream bigger than our excuse? Because it's going to require us to become someone different to achieve. That's the purpose of, of, of us being here on earth is to go through the trials, go through the hardships and become someone different. You now today train and coach people on this art of developing an identity, right? And you have, you have this saying shift, right? Tell me yeah. where did this idea of shifting come from for you? Yeah, to be totally honest, it wasn't even my idea. It was, uh, so I'm sitting around this, this room. I'm not even a room. It's actually outside. It's Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And mm-hmm. uh, I got invited. I'm going to cut like a really tight-knit um, mastermind. It's like me, Brendan Burchard, Dean Graciosi, Russell Brunson, Jeff Walker. I think Lewis Howell was there. Like Trent Shelton might have been there too. Yeah, he was there. Um, just these amazing minds all sitting around and we're all taking turns. Here's our business and talk about what it is and get ideas. And there's one guy also named Ethan Willis, one of Brendan's business partners, a guy named Randy Garn too. And we're all chatting. And I unpack my personal story because most guys didn't know me and what I'm doing. And one of the guys goes, I don't like it. <laughs> what do you don't like it? Because at the time, my brand was called Trust Your Hustle. He's like, yeah. He's like, this whole Trust Your Hustle. He's like, it's cool. He's like, but man, hearing your story, he's like, I don't quite, he's like, I don't get it. Like, most people get stuck at multiple different levels of their identity. Like, how'd you get past foster care and being the only black kid in an all-white family and then sports and then finding your dad, having a kid, getting divorced? He's like, how did you get through all of that? How did you get here? And it was an interesting thing. I was like, oh, I, I didn't know anybody would have found that to be useful, right? And he's like, yeah, well, there's always a message in a messenger. He's like, the messenger is you. You talk, you share. He's like, but your message has to land. And when that thing does, there's magic. And so this idea of shift was born there. And I went back and I had to think, do I shift the business now, right? It's a whole other conversation. And I'm like, man, and, and I realized in those moments, like I was open to doing, I'm like, yeah, if it sounds good, like I've always been a guy that I think I, I realized I'm not gonna die. Like I'm not gonna die if I make this mistake. It's gonna, I'm gonna find some joy in the craziness of it. So even in that moment, I was able to shift. I pivoted everything, bro. And the next year the business blew up. And it was because I was able to go back and say, well, most of what I've been doing is already in line with it. But two, I'm the messenger for this. Like my story is one where most people get stuck 
at one or two points along my journey. I've counted, I've had probably at least like 25 to 27 life-altering shifts that most people never make it out of. And I was like, okay, why, why is that? And that's what prompted me to go back from their guidance and take a look at my life in a different way and go, oh, well, that's how I did it. Because I, I was a guy that, if you look on paper, did not belong in that room, um, did not belong uh, in college, did not belong out of jail, did not belong not homeless, right? I didn't belong, I didn't belong. Statistically, if you look at all these different things, I'm a weird outlying anomaly. And so because of this anomaly, it's like, okay, what is it that, that's unique about me that somebody else could strip out and take and use? And I was like, oh, here's how I do it. And I went back in every stage of my life, back when I was 15 years old, um, back when I was trying to get into college, back when I was trying to be able to manage having a kid as a sophomore, meet my real dad, starting as a true sophomore for a fifth year senior, um, getting into the NFL, sticking in the NFL, be able to do some of my life after the football getting divorced, getting remarried to my same ex-wife and having an amazing God-centered marriage now, being a present dad, all these things, it was always present. It was always the same process. And I've already talked a little bit about it, but that's, that's really what I've extracted. And I teach people now that if you learn it, man, it applies to everything. Mm. It's not just for business. It's not just for your health. Like it's for your marriage. You want to fix a car? It applies also, man. Like it's there. And if somebody can take it and plug it in and understand what it is, dude, it's magic for life. And it's not like, it's not, and it hits, he's the cool part, dude. Every successful person has already done it. They just didn't know they were doing it. I just shortened the process. I think that's amazing. I mean, because you're unconsciously competent in doing the things. But, you know, I, I was reading this book by Sean Archer a couple of years ago, and he talks about this outlier effect, right? And most people in, in the world of statistics, they want to eliminate the outliers, right? Because they're focused on the, the conjunction of all the numbers, right? They're focused on the average. This messes it up. But it just messes up the statistics, right? But man, the outlier, that's what we all want. We all look at the outlier and we all say, hey, oh, that person must be lucky. That person must have something special. You had none of those things. You've become an outlier because you were willing to do the work. You were willing to make the shifts and go through the, the, the experiences. And I believe, I believe that at the core of everything, you can't outlive your identity. You can't outpace your identity. If I don't, if I want to be financially free, but I see myself as broke and I'm, I'm not very good with money, that's internally the dialogue going on in my head. I'll never become free. If you want to be a, an NFL football player, but you see yourself as I can't play football, you'll never make it to the NFL. Never. And so it's a psychological game. All things are created twice, right? You have to create it mentally before you can ever create it physically. Yeah. So how, how have you then transitioned this into the business world? How, like you take this, this idea of shifting your identity and you apply it on stages, you apply it in books, you apply it in coaching calls. Like, how do you help people see? Because I don't think most people get online and go to Google and say, hey, I have an identity <laughs> problem, right? How do, yeah. how do you make this uh, message stick? Yeah, well, there's two things. First thing is you have to make people aware of the problem they have. If they don't see a problem, they won't fix it. Yeah. And, and I explain it like this. Any person who has ever been in our position, let's say who has coaches, you know, clients, and different people they work with, I know you can attest to this. I would probably lean in to say that probably five, maybe 7% of the people you work with make probably 95% of the results. It, it's unfortunate that that's the problem that we experience is so many people invest in these money-making you know, resources that are phenomenal, right? They invest in different things for themselves. They, they'll buy treadmills. They'll sit there and be amazing clothes hangers. There's so many people don't realize the difference isn't the information or the tools. It's the person with them. And if I can get that first seed to plant, now I can start growing the bigger tree of what's going on. Most people think, oh, it's just mindset. If I work my mindset, I'll be fine. Well, I had a great mindset. I was an NFL linebacker. I used to run full speed at men bigger than me trying to hit them. Like that's not, a, a, you don't do that unless you have this weird mind, right? 
And the reality is, as I came out and still broke my marriage, still messed the business, it all still fell apart. And I realized, man, it's not mindset. It's something more. What it was, was it was the moments when the mindset reached its end. Because a mindset's a set of tactics and tools and, and affirmations and things you say, right? I can do this. What happens when you literally feel like you have nothing left to do? Well, what do we do? I find that as human beings, we go into that fight or flight mode and most people fight, but they will fight for what they think they deserve. Now, if I don't believe I deserve to have much, guess what I fight for? Not so much. If the root of my identity is, no, I am the guy who put the work in the dark when you weren't watching. I deserve to catch this football. I deserve to make this sale. I deserve to get this close. This is who I am. It's a different sense of how you show up. It's the difference between, I'm going to try out boxing and I'm a boxer. When I get in the, the ring, if I'm going to try out boxing, the moment I can't punch or jab, like, oh, I, I'm out of the ring. I, I'm cool. I'm, I, just, I, I was trying it. It's not me. If I'm a boxer, Ryan... I will go to the death to make sure I show up and do what I got to do because that's who I am. I can't, I can't fall on, I can't let this all go for nothing. And so when I look at the business side or the relationship side, whatever it is, you have to realize that the moment that you get past the point of a, a mindset or a strategy and you realize I've done the work to create this internal person who believes it's who I am, I will find a way. It's easier with solutions. It's easier with tools. But if it's who I am, dude, I'll find a way and is work to get to that point. There's a structure and a strategy I put people through to get there. But my end result is, can I get you to wake up one day, look in the mirror and go, like, holy crap, who the hell are you? Oh, man. Where did this sense of confidence, belief in self, how, how did you get to the point? Man, if I'm, Rob, man, Rob, how, how did you get to the point where you know that you are that coach? Dude, you never were this guy a year ago. And all it was the process we put in place that I've been doing for years that I teach people to do in shortcut. Because like, think about the rock. Like The Rock talks about being broke $7. If you ask any successful person in the world, hey, who were you back when you were unsuccessful? They'll all say this. They'll go, I don't know, I'm a different person back then. To a T, they'll say it. There's a big red flag in the world that everybody sees, but nobody's noticing. It's not a mindset. It's not a strategy thing. It's a who the hell are you thing. Because when you're that person, you'll find a way. I just help shortcut the process to get in there. Man, that's such a powerful concept, Anthony. Do you believe? Do you believe that that identity, that that person that's capable of you know monumental results, is already there? We just have to find it and connect with it, or is it created? Is it a combination of the two? What, what's your belief there? That's a philosophical question. I wish I knew the answer to hundred percent. I have my theories. That movie Soul just came out. You seen that movie? It, it just came out on I think it was Disney, and it actually is interesting because it shows a dynamic of people like the souls are getting their personality before they're sent to Earth. The, the Bible, I'm a man of faith, will tell me I have an identity before, but I also I have free will. And I know within that free will, there's this dynamic that I think that it, it is, part of me is in there. And here's what I do know. I know that probably to a T, every human being that I've ever met, probably the 99.99% the of people are living far short of their true potential, myself included. I know there's areas where I can be better. All of us, right? Knowing that tells me that hell yes, inside of you is something greater, period. Now, what that greater will come to be, I don't know, but I know for every soul on this earth, there is a potential that is far beyond what anybody can comprehend or perceive for themselves. So when I step into this, yeah, 100%, any person I walk across the street, I guarantee there's more you can pull out of you. And it's a matter of getting that person to believe that person is in them. Because the moment they believe that person exists, now I just have a process of extracting that human and bringing that human to the forefront. But when you do, dude, like, You've had this. You may not have noticed it, but you had. Every person has had this. And it's magical. I just, man, I got to get in my heart. I got to get people to see that part of them 
And when they do, it becomes great, but it usually doesn't happen by this big unveiling. It's usually like they peek under the curtain and go, oh, holy shit, I can do that? <laughs> what if I, and the curtain goes back yeah. later, but it's that first one we got to get to. Yeah. If I can get to that first realization and realize there's more, now I start down the path of people. There's that breakthrough process, man. I, I love that, Anthony, because I, I don't believe in life, I don't think you can truly li- lead what you're not living. And, and you're mm-hmm. obviously a person of faith, but a person who's walked the walk, who's faced multiple identity crises and shifts along the way and become someone continually different to elevate the status of your life and elevate the quality of what you can do out there. You know, I was, yeah. I was in Italy a couple of years ago and I remember there was the, uh, the statue of David. And mm-hmm. I remember the story as we were going through and, and look, you know, walking through that museum, like there was a pre- big, big granite block and there was an artist before who, you know, was kind of, you know, sculpting it, but couldn't see what it could become. But when Michelangelo came along, he, that, that, that rock was discarded because he couldn't see what it could become. But Michelangelo saw inside of that rock and saw what was in there. He said it was the process of just removing the outside layers to free David. And yeah. it was really cool because leading up to the, 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 that sculpture, there were lots of little, and I can't remember what the, the French or the, uh, the Italian word for it, but it was like uh, unfinished or something like that. There were a bunch of little hands coming out and you know faces and torsos coming out yeah. of rocks, but they were unfinished sculptures. And they yeah. put them there, they lined them up because you know a lot of his sculptures never were finished. He started, but he never finished. And I think that's kind of the story of humanity is there's so many unfinished pieces of work out there that we're all unfinished to a certain element, but a lot of us just close the chapter on our life and say, it's good enough, right? It's good enough. I've achieved what I can achieve. It is what it is. And now I'm just going to wait for the end to come, right? And I think that's the sad part about life. Life has so much to live if you're willing to live it. Yeah. Um, I love that you use that story because I use that same metaphor about the, the, the exact same concept, right? But think about it this way. Michelangelo, at some point in his life, he didn't, he didn't think he was a sculptor. It's to do with a chisel. He believed it was possible at some point, but it wasn't until he made that first one and he looked at it and said, holy crap, I'm a sculptor. Mm-hmm. Now, the journey there was arduous. I guarantee he's a lot of just messed up. He probably broke a finger or two, right? He might have knocked a ding-dong off of the statue. Who knows? <laughs> he might have messed it up, right? But the thing was, he just kept, he kept doing it. And at the end of it, he didn't go, I made David. I uh, made him a sculptor. He goes, no, I'm, I'm a sculptor. And for a lot of us, the problem is we're waiting to feel like David post-sculpture, right, mm-hmm. as a sculptor, before we start chiseling away. And it doesn't work that way. You act, I, there's a process when I look back at my life, especially when I was first year of football, and I tell people, man, the, the process that I went through was ugly, it was arduous, it sucked, it was dirty, it was a creation process. All creation processes are like that. Building this business you have is a process to it, right? The marriage you have, a process to it. The, the body we have, it's a process. Definitely a process of sculpting that sculpture. But when you get done, man, you don't just have this thing you created. You are the person who created it. And so I tell people, what you create, creates you. Oh, man. Anthony, you are dropping so many gold nuggets here, guys. I hope you're listening to this because this podcast is going to drop right around the end of the year. I wanted this to come out right around the end of the year, the first of the year. So, Anthony... 2020 for many people was like the year that everyone's just, I mean, I see so many people out there and so many memes out there. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for 2020 to be over. And it, it kind of, it puzzles me a little bit because there's nothing different. You're, all we're going to do is go from a Thursday to a Friday, right? Yeah. And we're going to go from 2020 to 2021. So as we're talking to people, wherever they're at, whether they're in pain or 2020 has been the best year of their life, how do you start fresh? How do you start with a new perspective? And start to develop that sense of confidence that maybe I am more than I'm giving myself credit for currently. 
Yeah, but it's funny you say that. I just did a live stream today and I said, don't bank on it. Like, don't bank on all of a sudden it's going to turn into Friday and the world's going to be like, hey, it's all brand new. Like, it's not how this all works, man. It's next Friday is going to be the same as this Friday. It's it's the exact same thing. Uh, It's just that you think it's a new year, so it all changes. Here's what I do tell people is you've got to think about this. The beginning of this year, whoever we were, we are different now. I'm different. 100% 100% different. I had to pivot hard in the middle of the year and adjust the, the business to make sure I build revenue for my family. I did it, right? It's who I am, though. I'm not a guy. I love finding solutions to problems. It's who I am. It, that's why I'm successful. Not because I had more info or had more experience. I had, none of that was, to be honest, I had less in a lot of areas I'm going into. But it's just who I am to figure it out. Now, I tell people that, sell them this. Right now, you're starting off this Friday. When we're going to record this, is going to be this Friday comes out. Right now, we're recording this on a Wednesday. And when this thing drops, the only thing that I want you to focus on and what everybody should focus on is who will I be at the end of the year? Who will I create this year? Who, who will I go through the process of every day arduously chiseling away at that David? Who will I become this time next year? And it's not a matter of like, how hard did I go for one day? No, no. People always ask, and you going to go big this year? Nope. I go small in a really big way. Mm. I just chisel away and chisel away and chisel away. And so if people are looking at this next year, I'm going to tell you is find a couple things that you know, like I say a couple, two or three that you know could be game changers that if you had confidence in that area and you did it efficiently and effectively, it would be a game changer for your life and go into it knowing you're going you're gonna to bust a few thumbs chiseling away. You're going you're gonna to get a tight form. It's going to cramp up. You might have to restart at some point. But if you, when you get to the back end of the year of doing that, there's no one can take that from you, dude. Like, and when you have that kind of sense of self, here's what takes place. Right now, a lot of people are met with a problem they've been stuck at for far too long. They, they may be a little bit above it. And what I find with a lot of my clients when we get started is the problem that's going to open the access to their success is up here. It's at a higher, it's, it's a 10 notches above. If you're stuck at level one problem, you're never going to reach level 10 to open the, the door to your future and amazingness. So you got to start thinking about what are the things that'll get you levels upon levels up. And yes, they'll suck. It'll be something you don't know, but if you just keep chiseling away, eventually you will be in front of problem 10. And problem 10 will open up all the doors you've been looking for. But you can't stop at nine or six or seven. You got to press all the way through to 10. And it only happens when you look at it and say, I'm trying to become the level of person, the human being inside. It's a level 10 human, not a person at level one trying to do level 10 things. I'm a level 10 human. When I'm doing that, bro. Success becomes second nature for folks. Ah, man, Anthony, I love that. I love that because I, you know, the crazy part about that is once you get to the level 10, like now you're going to start looking at level 20 problems and level exactly. 50 problems and level 100. Yep. It's just a process of constantly elevating the problems that you're capable of identifying and solving, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's the identity. I mean, problems don't go away. Problems are part of humanity. And when you let go of that fear of problems, when you let go of that fear of what if, you can start to embrace the moment and start to really find some joy and some satisfaction, just like you. I mean, you loved your NFL career. You loved all of that because you worked so hard for it. You earned it, right? You earned it. And yeah. it was that, that, I, that I deserve this, right? I deserve to make yeah. it. I deserve to get on the field. I've put in the work. And that's, I think that's really the missing piece for so many people. So guys, wherever you're at, um, I hope this podcast has brought some fire and some light to you. Anthony, you, you coach and consult. Tell, tell everyone, how can they connect with you to start elevating and upgrading their identity? Yeah, man. Uh, easy. You can go to Instagram and DM me the word shift. And then uh, myself or my team kind of start a conversation with to kind of see where somebody's at. Uh, or if someone wants to know really where they're at in terms of their identity currently, you can go to sloworgo.co. It's a test you can take, a little quiz. And it gives you a clear distinction of what a four identities you actually harbor and carry right now and what that means for your future. 
but that's it, man. I'm all, my whole thing is helping people make shift happen. And if I can give you a success system that plugs alongside the information you know already, that thing, dude, Ryan, if people just took what they know and did something, they'd be great. So it's a matter of like, I just need to plug in my success system. Plug this thing into your life, dude. Everything else you know, it spins up in overdrive. You get the return investment. Everything turns amazing. It's so cool to watch. And what's even more cool is people start finding out, oh, when I'm that human being, I learn more along the journey that I would, I would need to buy. So I, I, I don't have to buy as much. And then on top of that, dude, they eventually become the ones that create the stuff other people buy. Man, and that, I, that's the role I give to people. It's so powerful because it says that right on your website. And I know that's something that you believe that success is literally waiting. Just like David was waiting to come out of that granite block. Success yeah. is waiting for you. Wherever, whatever that version of success is for you, whether it's I want a new house, I just want to be able to pay the rent, I want to yeah. send my kids to college, whatever it is, that success is waiting. The question yeah. is, will you put in the work to become the person capable of pulling that dream, that level 10 problem into your present reality? Yeah. So Anthony, what you do is powerful. It's, it's, it's the needed work right now is helping people internally create the, the ability to externally go out and manifest that reality. And that's, that's, man, I love what you do. So guys, check him out on you know Instagram. Take his assessment. That assessment is powerful because that gives you a sense of clarity of where you're at right now. And if you have those two points in time, where you want to go, that vision of what's possible, who will you be at the end of 2021, and clarity of the facts of where you're at right now, that's the reality that you can work in to start to draw a line between those two points in time. So yeah. Anthony, I love what you do, man. And any final words of wisdom for, for the Rise Up Live Free podcast listeners today? Yeah, man. I always tell people you got to own your shift, man. It's uh, it's one of the simple, it's a simple three word statement, but there's actually something to the words. The first one's own, which means own that there's something you got to work on. Pull back your ego, the EGO, everyone's greatest obstacle. Pull it back, man. The moment you pull that back, it gives you access to be able to try to do something. Then you're realize no one's coming to save you. It's your job to do the work you just found out you got to do. Right. I, I wish <laughs> it's this thing. Sometimes it's not even your fault. It's a lot. I mean, I have a situation that weren't my fault, but it's my responsibility to work on this or it's not going to get fixed. And then shift, which is a verb. Shift the way that you do things actionably. That's why I see here one shift away. If you get to the point of realizing there's a problem and you know it's your duty, a lot of people do that and sit still for the rest of their life and let life go by and make excuses. It's the people who understand that and say, all right, well, my sleeve's up, let's get to work and shift. Those are the ones that create something special. And when you do that, man, if you own your shift, like I said, you can make shift happen in your life, which is what it sounds like if you remove the F. Ah, man, I love it, guys. So... Take that away, own your shift, and make shift happen. Success awaits you. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I cannot wait to watch what 2021 has in store for you, your community. And guys, if you're out there listening, wanting something better for your life, it is now time to make a change. It is now time to shift, shift who you are, to create the life that you want. So guys, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Um, this is kicking off the year for us, 2021. This is the year, like unlike any other year, where you have massive opportunities ahead of you. So take some time, get clear on what you want, get clear on the facts of your life and put the work in. Guys, join us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast where we will dive deeper down the rabbit hole of all things required for financial freedom. All right, all right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Rise Up Live Free podcast. If you're not subscribed already, then be sure to do that right now so you can get all of the latest information downloadable right to your phone. But before you go, what would it be like and feel like if you had your own personalized financial freedom game plan? If you like that, head over to cashflowtactics.com forward slash five day challenge. 
There, we'll walk you through step-by-step in just 30 minutes a day. Over the course of five days, we'll show you what's working, what's not, where you're stuck, and help you gain clarity for probably the first time ever and exactly what it will take for you to be on the path to financial freedom in just 10 years or less. If you're ready to go, join us at cashflowtactics.com forward slash five-day challenge. Until next time, take control over your finances, rise up, and live free.